Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 907 of the Juicebox Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. This is the fourth installment of my Type 2 story series. We've already heard from John, Leanne, and Michael, and today, Karen, a person living with type 2 diabetes. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you have type 1 diabetes or are the caregiver of someone with type 1 and you're a U.S. resident, please consider going to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox and completing the survey. Every completed survey helps someone with type 1 diabetes. It may help you and it definitely will help the Juicebox podcast. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Juicebox podcast listeners save 35% off their entire order at CozyEarth.com when they use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout, and you'll save 10% off your first month of therapy at BetterHelp.com forward slash JUICEBOX just by going to that link. This episode of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by the Dexcom G7. Dexcom.com forward slash JUICEBOX. Get yourself the continuous glucose monitor that my daughter has been wearing for years. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. The podcast is also sponsored today by the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. You need and deserve a blood glucose meter that is accurate and easy to use. I had an extra Contour Next Gen at the house that I just gave to a family friend who was concerned that they had prediabetes. On the very first day, Woke up, fasting blood sugar, 119. Now they know what they're looking for. They're going to be testing all week and writing down their numbers. You could too. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. My name is Karen and I am 69 years old. I used to be a teacher and I've retired as of 2006. I'm a type 2 diabetic. And um, I guess that's a good start because Scott will ask me other things. That's the, it's a perfect start. Thank you. Um, okay. Wow. You're 69. And how long have you had type two? Well, do you want to count the pre-diabetes? But um, basically my diagnosis with insulin was 2009. Right, so you've been using insulin since 2009. When right. when did you start having to doctor for this? When was it when did it begin? Um about five years before that. Okay. Two thousand four. Okay. Wow. Uh eighteen years ago. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh what is the first well were you working then? Were you teaching? Yes. You were. Okay. Yes. What 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 did you teach? Uh, mostly elementary physical education. Nice. Well, that sounds like fun, actually. Or or is it not? Well, people say, oh, that must be a lot of fun. But really, if I'm playing with the kids, I'm not doing my job. So, <laughs> so the fun part's uh, not there. Do they, Um, but that was a long time ago. Back then, 
you let them throw balls at each other and everything, right? Like dodgeball and stuff <laughs> like that? Yeah. Well, occasionally, but we usually used foam balls, <laughs> so they didn't hurt. <laughs> I don't think they let you throw balls at each other anymore. No? I don't think so. I don't think you're allowed to do know. anything like that. I don't know if you can even get hugs anymore. <laughs> well, that <laughs> I, I used to get like 40 or 50 hugs a day. Really? But the th- yeah. yeah, but the thing that, well, I had mostly kindergartners, but the thing that I missed the most was if I dropped something, like 24 kids would dive to pick it up for me. <laughs> <laughs> or if I lost something, I said, I can't find my, <laughs> and they'd all race to get it for me. And Karen, I don't want to be creepy, but I could have used a couple of those kids to put my socks on this morning. That would have been nice. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And they would have been happy to do it. <laughs> Mr. Scott. They would, have, they would have fought. They would have fought to do it. Mr. Scott's back hurts. I've got the left one. Um, okay. So what's the first? Well, uh, it's, it's funny. Type 2 is different than type 1. My questions. All right. So prior to 2004, um, you're living a life. Had you had children? No. No. Okay. Um, would you consider yourself, um, in shape, out of shape, um, a good eater, a bad eater? Like, how did you think of yourself as an adult? I was a pretty good eater. Sometimes not, but you know, we all do that. And I've always fought with weight, but at the same time, being told that I created my type two really irritates me a little because Incidence of type 2 is anywhere from 11 to 17% from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a, a small amount of fat people who have diabetes. And there's a lot of others who are fat who don't have it. <laughs> you know? So to say that that's the, the cause, I'm not sure is really fair. Karen, I like your math on that. You're like, listen, there's 10 of us here. Two of us have diabetes. We're all fat. <laughs> yeah. So, there you um, go. So is there um, type two in your family line? No. No. Okay. No. Um, well, okay. You st- you shocked me there. Okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> and so, My great-grandmother had type two. Well, that's a good... Great-grandmother. Well, that's a family so that's, line. Well... Yeah, but she had 10 children, too, so back in the 30s, you know. Karen, what are you saying? She used herself up and everything came for her? Kind of. In the 30s, she had, how many of her, do you know much about her? Did any of the children not survive? No, all of the children survived except one who was killed at age 19. Oh, in the war? No, he was killed on a... A uh, train track in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you know in all a, that. In a snowstorm. In a snowstorm. Well, you know, you know how families tell stories. <laughs> they share a lot of things. That's interesting. I um, I always wonder how accurate any of those old stories are that have been passed down. You know what I mean? Like I'm talking to my mom, and she can't. Mm-hmm. Get, she's not getting right what we did last week, and I think. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Don't. Tell me this story about your uncle again. <laughs> you sure about well, this? I've, I've had more than one, you know, story about that. Mm-hmm. And he was a um, 
he's probably drunk at the time <laughs> in a snowstorm on the train tracks. And, um, you know, I looked it up online one time when Ancestry had a free thing mm-hmm. and I saw his death certificate. So oh, I'm pretty gosh. sure that was accurate. How crazy. He had, he had been asked to go to, uh, play with John Philip Sousa's band, but he was only 15 years old at that time. What the hell? So, yeah. Like, wait. Think of that. Re- really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's great. Oh, sorry. Sorry. We're getting too far away. <laughs> no, that's... Your, your great-grandmother okay. had type 2 diabetes that we got. <laughs> yeah. And 10 kids. <laughs> and 10 kids. Yeah. Jeez. And a really tired uh, vagina, I imagine. So... Um, imagine. <laughs> and she, she and her husband were immigrants. So... Well, from where? Finland. Finland. And are, so you are, are you Finnish or part Finnish? Half Finnish. Very nice. I appreciate you saying that so we could title the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, all, all the Finlanders in the, the UP will be happy about that. <laughs> I'm just wondering right now how many people know who John Philip Sousa was. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, I, I was impressed, but I was in, in uh, orchestra, so. Oh, oh, that makes sense. Okay, so you, in 2004, start experiencing symptoms. What are those symptoms? Mm-hmm. Well, it was mostly my blood test showed that my glucose levels were a little high. So you're just in your in your yearly physical or whatever, and the doctor, right. doctor starts talking about like, oh, you're pre-diabetic, that kind of the thing? Exactly. Okay. And he put me on metformin. And did that, do you, well, first of all, do you remember what pre-diabetic meant back then? What were they telling you your A1C was? I really don't know. Okay. Um, I don't know back then if they really said A1C. If that was the measurement or if they were doing, were they doing yeah. a fasting, were they doing like a fasting blood glucose maybe? More or less to, to uh, be diagnosed, I think I did that, but that was right away i see. I would do my um finger stick and have blood glucose of 115 mm-hmm. and that was pretty, pretty regularly pretty regularly so they put you mm-hmm. on they put you on metformin were mm-hmm. you did you experience any weight loss from the metformin no no did you experience a, a lessening of your blood sugar did it help with that I don't think so. No. And how long did they leave you just on metformin? Five years. And you don't feel like it did anything for you? Not really. Well, it gave me diarrhea. (laughs) God damn it, Karen. You and I are going to have fun. I can tell. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that was, you know, I I found more bathrooms. People must have sensed, like in stores or whatever where they said no public bathrooms, they must have sensed urgency in my eyes or face (laughs) because they would let me use bathrooms. I have seen bathrooms that you would not think. (laughs) Existed? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What's behind this sheet in the the clothing store? Oh, my goodness. Right, Uh, right. (laughs) This is where they keep the mop bucket, huh? Okay. Um, Absolutely, that's it. So you had you had stomach pain and and, mm-hmm. and loose stool, uh, to say the mm-hmm. least. And yeah, but no 
but no improvement. So what was said to you, as best you can remember, it's a long time ago, but as Mm -hmm. best you can remember, what was said to you about, I'm going to use metformin, and then when you'd go in subsequently for other visits, what was the conversation like? Well, just, you know, that I was doing okay. It was my um, primary care physician mm-hmm. who had been with me for a long I I started with him. I hadn't had a real physician for a while. And uh, when he started practice, I finally had some uh, pain in my chest, kind of more or less at the top of my stomach, you know, like mm-hmm. a reflux thing. So, you know, I'm thinking heart, (laughs) whatever. So I went into him and he's, he's been my doctor ever since. And now his kids who were about two at the time are adults (laughs) and through college and so on. So it's been a few years. And so you're with this guy for a very long time, but for five years, you don't see, well, I guess there's no there's no worsening of it. Is that right? Right. So there, so in their mind, I'm guessing what that meant was you would have gotten worse without the metformin. So therefore the metformin is helping. I guess so. Yeah. But, but my point, Karen, is that there's not a lot of conversation around it, a lot of explanation, right? You're not right. You don't leave there feeling like you really understand what's happening to you. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Um, did the stomach problems, ever go away with the metformin? No. Oh, it stuck with you forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I also had um, reflux diagnosed separately, you know. Right. Did, without taking the metformin, so later. Let me ask you this. 2004 mm-hmm. is, oh, God, it's 2022. Give me a second. <laughs> Four. Give me a second. I'm on this. All right, so I'm um, so one. That's a one. That makes us an eight. Eight, 18 years ago. That's not what I want to know, though. Sixty nine minus eighteen. It's one. You were fifty one when this started. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, but I should tell you something. Go ahead. When I was forty four, I had bad hemorrhoids. I had a hemorrhoidectomy, internal, external, fistula, a whole smear. No bleeding problems. My mother has bleeding disorder that was discovered in Finland. <laughs> so I was tested for it that fall. The doctor who tested me for it looked at my hemorrhoidectomy results and said, oh, you had a very bloody surgery. No problems. You don't have von Willebrand's disease. So... <laughs> Okay, hold on. Let me, Karen, let me go slower here. Hold on a second. I think I have this. So, and again, we're having a good time. So, you had very bad internal and external hemorrhoids that that, that Uh you had excised somehow. And, Uh and your mom has Van Wilderbrands. Van Wilderbrands, as do I. Okay. But it's it's a bleeding disorder. It's a bleeding disorder. Yeah. But the, um, the doctor who examined you, I'm, I'm guessing you're getting ready to tell me just looked at your surgery and said, what, what were they, what were they inferring from the notes from your surgery? He said you had a very bloody surgery and you didn't have any bleeding problems. So along with your testing, 
I don't think you have Ben Willebrands. Okay, because he he thought that a bloody surgery would have led to something that would have indicated this. Right. Okay. Now, two weeks before I saw him, I had quit taking birth control pills because of my painful periods because I had had endometriosis. Okay. Okay. And while I had the hemorrhoidectomy, I was taking birth control pills to try to control the, the pain. Bleed. Yeah, the pain, not the bleeding monthly. No. Okay. No. In fact, um, the only symptom I ever had was nosebleeds when I was a kid. And even then, it was iffy. You know, I had nosebleeds. And (laughs) that happened after I had a tonsillectomy. So before I had the tonsillectomy, I had earaches every night. But after I had the tonsillectomy... I did have to go back in for some clotting in my throat, but then I was fine. Hmm. How old were you around the tonsillectomy? Like regular age? Four. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, can I go backwards for a second to ask a question? Certainly. Uh, did the removal of the hemorrhoids help with your issues? Uh, well, it was very painful and I couldn't. Uh, sit very well. I could stand, but I couldn't sit very well. So yes, it did help. So, so by the time you had gotten to the to getting the um the 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 procedure, you you were mm-hmm. not able to sit at that point. Not very well. Wow. Um, I kept shifting, or you know, like if I went to a movie, I was constantly moving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, was there bleeding with the hemorrhoids or just pain? Very little bleeding. Okay. But he gave me some nitroglycerin ointment that worked. So that helped with the pain and the bleeding problems there. Interesting. Okay. So you weren't losing blood from the hemorrhoids? No. Okay. You were just in pain. And when you sat down, you were tilted one way or the other. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Tilting. <Yeah. laughs> That's a good example. <laughs> okay. The, endo- the endometriosis. Um, was being treated, I guess I'm making air quotes, with a birth control pill. Was, was well, that, hopefully, but it didn't really it, help. I was going to say it didn't really help much, right? Right. Okay. So in February, I had the diagnostic laparoscopy, which showed that I had endometriosis. For sure. You know, do, they do, a, do they do something for that? or? Well... The next thing was a hysterectomy in April. How old were you then? Uh, 44. Oh, okay. And oh, no, 45. I'm 45. Sorry. And you did, you did the hysterectomy? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Total, complete. Salpingo, ophorectomy, et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what it's called? Wait, what did you just say? That's the whole whole surgery name. It got a whole, you know, 20 letter. <laughs> All right, hold on a second. Description. I'm looking this one up. <laughs> I mean, you said nitroglycerin. Hold on a second. You said nitroglycerin pills at one point. So I was like, what is happening here? Hold wasn't, on. It wasn't pills, it was an ointment. An ointment, excuse me. Super. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I don't see the hysterectomy other name for it. Well, they probably don't list it because it's on my. <laughs> it's an old timey name. On my, it's on my sheet. 
<laughs> oh, wait, you no. Know, Hold my, on a second. My diagnosis. Is it an ophorectomy? Oh, ophorectomy, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, um, all right, well, we've gone this far. Hold on a second, Karen. Let's figure it out. <laughs> um, I think salpingo refers to the uh, fallopian tubes or something. It says a total hysterectomy is the surgeon removes your uterus and your cervix, but not your ovaries. Total hysterectomy is most common type. Hysterectomy with ophorectomy. The surgeon removes your uterus, one or both of your ovaries, and sometimes your fallopian tubes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I don't have any of it. <laughs> they just, it's gone. Anymore. It's all, yeah, it's all gone, and I had uh, an appendectomy at the same time because my one ovary was bound into, with scar tissue with uh, ap- appendix. Holy crap. Karen, are other, do you have any brothers or sisters? Yes. Do one brother. Ha- does he have any significant health issues? Uh, other than bipolar? No. Interesting. You sound like it's so interesting. I don't want to say what I was going to say. I'm I'm waiting till we talk a little longer. That's what I that's what I always tell my doctors. I'm I'm always interested. <laughs> well, it's a lot. That's for sure. So your so your brother hasn't had his butt cut open or anything else like that. Nope. Okay. Nope. All right. How about your parents? Pretty much everyone listening to this episode of the Juice Box Podcast needs an accurate blood glucose meter. Now you're looking for the Contour line of meters. Today I'll be speaking about the Contour Next Gen, but there are so many other Contour meters at contournext.com forward slash juice box. The Contour Next Gen fits nicely in your hand. It has a big screen so you can see the numbers easily. It uses second chance test strips. So if you don't get all the blood you want the first time, you can go back without affecting the accuracy of the test strip. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. While you're there, you know what you're going to see? Places to buy the meter online right now. And you might find that they're cheaper in cash than what you would pay through your benefits. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Go check out the Contour Next Gen, the Contour Next One, and all of the incredibly accurate and easy to use meters that Contour offers. You can even buy online. There's a, a, a button right on the site that I'm sending you to. You can buy from like Kroger, Meyer, Walgreens, Amazon, a whole bunch of places. You go look. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. You need an easy to use, easy to hold, easy to see, accurate blood glucose meter. Go get one. You can type the link right into your browser, contournext.com forward slash juice box, or there are links in the show notes of the audio player you're listening in right now and links at juiceboxpodcast.com to Contour and our next sponsor, Dexcom, makers of the Dexcom G6 and Dexcom G7 continuous glucose monitoring systems. My daughter has worn a Dexcom G6 forever. Oh, actually, I misspoke. She had worn a Dexcom G6 forever, but just got her first delivery of the Dexcom G7. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Arden has it, and you can too. Get started today at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Links in the show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com. Why do you want a Dexcom? Well, that's easy. Because you'll be able to see the speed, direction, and number of the blood sugar, whether it's yours or a loved one's, right there on your smartphone or on the Dexcom controller. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. 
No matter the situation you find yourself in, the information coming back from the Dexcom is going to be incredibly valuable. Are you watching a high blood sugar to come down? Are you looking at a low and have you just fixed it with some carbs? Are you bolusing for meals, but are never really sure if you're doing enough for too much? The Dexcom shows you the speed, direction, and number of your blood sugar in real time, right there on your smartphone or on the Dexcom receiver. These are iPhones or Androids. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. It's an indispensable tool in your life with diabetes, type 1 or type 2. Links in the show notes, links at juiceboxpodcast.com. When you support the sponsors with my links, you're keeping the podcast free and plentiful. Um, my mom had hemorrhoidectomy twice. Twice. She loved it so much, mm-hmm. she went back. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> In fact, my doctor at that time said, this will be the worst pain you'll ever have, worse than um, childbirth or, you know, which I haven't had, but. <laughs> Take his word for He's it. He's right. Yeah. Five so stars. Five stars. I loved yeah. it. Will return. Um, <laughs> yeah. Y- you. Tell me about the pain. How long did it last afterwards? Um, well, until you could really pass stool, it was bad because you're. I was afraid to push at all. I bet you know. Days, weeks. Uh, probably at least a week. And pain medication. Pain medication slows down your bowel motility, so I assume you don't want to yeah. use too much of that either, right? Right, but I still did. Yeah, and I was going to say, what'd you use? What was... Heroin? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, but he he had a step-down. The surgeon was very good. I liked him a lot. He had a step-down procedure. Like, after a week or so, I called and said, I'm running out of pain pills. Do you know? Can I have some more? And they said, no, you can't have any more of those, but we have something else. Well, it all worked. As he stepped me down, mm-hmm. it worked. So he obviously had it figured out. And they didn't return. Is that right? No. Oh, good for you. That's excellent. Uh, did you change your diet at all in, in like, go with more fiber or, like, that kind of an idea? Um. Yes, but not just because of the hemorrhoidectomy. Just, just because I've always been fat, tended, <laughs> tended toward fat. Karen, I don't know what to say. I don't think I'm supposed to say that, but it's okay if you do, I guess. It's okay. <laughs> well, I know it. <laughs> you know it. Well, you're, how, how tall are you? Five feet six. And how much do you weigh now? Right now, I weigh about 270. And through your whole life around that weight? No. No. How so? Where were you, say, in your 40s? Um. Well, it depended on when, but... After I had the hysterectomy, I had lost weight beforehand, Mm -hmm. but I was very, very thin because I bled all day, lost a lot of blood, had to have blood products, and uh, I was so thin (laughs) that people said I was anorexic. And when I was that thin, I weighed 139 pounds because I tend to be very large boned. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying large boned in the sense that some people say it. <laughs> I'm saying I really am. <laughs> I've never, never of... had a boyfriend whose hands were bigger than mine. <laughs> <laughs> Broad shoulders, things like that, you're saying? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so when did you find out you had uh, Von Wilderbrand? I mean, you knew your mom had it, so. Right. Well, after I bled all day with a hysterectomy, I was, I had the hysterectomy first thing in the morning. And then last thing at night, I went back in just before midnight to have a hematoma evacuation. In other words, to take out the blood and clotting. Okay. Well, that sounds terrible. I'm sorry. That just shocked me for some reason. <laughs> it was kind of serious. Yeah, right. And the the doctor um, that I had had been my OBGYN's um, residency supervisor. He'd done a, a, some time in his office. And so they knew each other. Mm-hmm. And this doctor also knew my mother. So he was familiar with Von Willebrand. He was an oncology specialist. So he knew quite a bit about Von Willebrand's. And how do they help you with that, or can't they? Um, he can't give me too much after the fact. So he gave me uh, packed red blood cells, and I felt great. Really? Do you have a lot of, mm-hmm. um, through your life, a lot of that, uh, what I would describe as like low iron feeling tired gaining weight like from the uh from the iron loss? well i do but not necessarily from that that reason why do you think you do um i think from well i have depression bipolar okay um i'm fighting thyroid right now which is why my weight is up i think because i can't <laughs> seem to follow anything and, um, you know, I just think there's other things going on. Yeah. Thi- plus, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Plus the meds I take make you tired. Right. Thyroid you've learned about recently in your life? Yes. I just had an ultrasound on Tuesday. Are they calling it Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism? Haven't, I haven't heard anything, but I'm taking uh, levothyroxine. You're taking that. Is it mm-hmm. helping? Uh, yeah, somewhat, but I'm on 50 micrograms. Okay. Slowly. <laughs> Bringing you up? Yeah, slowly increasing, hopefully. Good. Um, at, what, at what point did you realize you were depressed? This would be after the, the, um, the, uh, <laughs> hysterectomy. Oh, I was going to say the first time somebody dug into your butt because that would have depressed the hell out of me i would have been like <laughs> i mean no that was like thank you that you were happy for <laughs> boy that's yes. a, that's an indication of how bad the hemorrhoids were if if, if you right. were like so you're gonna put a speculum where and then cut what <laughs> sounds good hey do it <laughs> <laughs> get in there buddy um okay yeah. so after the hysterectomy had you had no indication of of depression prior to that no not really were you- I was always super active, did 1,800 things, you know. Yeah. Do you think it was a shift in your hormones that caused it? No. No. Was it the loss of the idea that you could have a baby? Did it depress you that way? Well, that was a little bit depressing, but I already knew that. So okay. <laughs> at age 44, you're kind of, you know, thinking that past might- that anyway. Did you- and if you don't have a boyfriend or a uh husband or whatever i don't think it's a wise thing to necessarily have a child did you want children of course you did 
and it's an elementary teacher. <laughs> I don't know. I figured that might be enough kids. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's a full know, day of children. But I would. I would have taken them home. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you never did illegally. That's nice. Uh, well, no, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I didn't think you would. Karen, a second, <laughs> a second ago, um, you, you just listed off a bunch more things, so I'm picking through them. So your, mm-hmm. bro- your brother's bipolar, but you are mm-hmm. too. At what age did you realize you were? Uh, this would be at 44. Everything sort of yeah. happened at once, huh? Yes. That's why I kind of interrupted you and went ahead and said now wait a minute Mm. but there's one more surgery that year which was uh gallbladder gallbladder took it out and yes okay and at that time because of my reflux they did something called a nissen fund application where they wrap a part of the fundus from the stomach around your esophagus to make like a false valve okay it doesn't really work. <laughs> but there is one plus. I cannot vomit. You can't. <laughs> Finally. No. Something something on the positive side for you, Karen. You know, this, Sounds this... like a, a really weird uh, plus, but, you know, it's like, ah, oh, well. You know. <laughs> Karen, I have to tell you, um, because your story is going to be part of the Type 2 Story series, it's just going to be called Type 2 Stories and then Karen. Um, but if it wasn't, I was going to call it no fundus. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't mind. <laughs> it, it, so, okay. I, I have, so I have a big question for you. Yes. I, at some point in your life, do you just think, well, I got a, I got a shit body. Like, like I have way too many things wrong with me and there's a lot of stuff here. Like, I mean, listen, it's easy to look and from the outside, right? And see a person who's overweight and say, oh, they don't try hard enough or they, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, mm-hmm. but you have. But I don't feel that way. No, I, I don't. You have a good attitude. I don't imagine you do. But I'm just saying, like, you have so many things wrong with you, like, medically. I, that mm-hmm. I'm starting to lose track of it where I'm writing it down. <laughs> Because I had some notes I had to keep, so I was like, "Oh, this is uh-huh. just the, this is just the type two interview. I won't need my whiteboard." And now I'm writing in the in the little gaps. Thyroid. I told you. I tell my doctors I'm always interested. Well, no kidding. Gallbladder, <laughs> reflux, thyroid, endometriosis, uh-huh. hemorrhoids that that require uh-huh. surgery, um, uh-huh. bipolar, and depression. Uh-huh. Am I missing anything? Um, I didn't say I type don't. two diabetes. Well, <laughs> okay. I also have some more autoimmune type things. Like I have localized psoriasis. Psoriasis. I forgot mm-hmm. von Wilderbrand's. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. What else? Um, I think that's about it because the thyroid we already covered. And when I went in to see the the uh, endocrinologist last month. Because um, before that, my PCP handled all of the diabetic problems or insulin re- prescriptions and that kind of thing. Um, you know, I said to him, am I really a type two? Because I listened to the Juice Box podcast <laughs> and you're always asking about these things. Uh, and he said, oh, yes, you definitely are. Well, I still question some of that. 
Karen, I have to tell you, like, as you're speaking, I kept thinking, like, we sure she doesn't have type 1 diabetes? And not because... Uh-huh. Not because of any, we haven't even talked about your diabetes yet, but because, right? Because the the bipolar and the thyroid and like uh-huh. and the endometriosis uh-huh. and like it all uh-huh. feels like you're telling me is it, it just feels like you've come on as a type one and you're telling your story. Um, uh-huh. Have they ever done testing? No, not really. Um, I don't know why the because I've only seen him once. I don't know why the endocrinologist said that exactly. But I will ask him in future. I would I would love for you to get tested. Yeah, I would too. I mean if I say, you know, I want you to test now bear in mind I have been tested. I had <laughs> so many blood tests, I think I had sixteen tubes filled for four different doctors last time I went got my blood drawn. So that was quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> There was this one time Arden was sent in for a diagnostic thing and the uh, the phlebotomist was like, oh, excuse me. And she left the room with this little tray and ca- and came back with more. T- there wasn't enough tubes in the room Arden was in. Mm-hmm. And Arden looked at me and she's like, "That that's a first. And I said, y- yeah. And she's like, uh-oh. And this lady just, I mean, we were having long form conversations. <laughs> <laughs> while they, <laughs> while this blood was coming out, it just felt like it wasn't going to stop. So, um, so you've never been tested for antibodies? No, boy, that would not s- that I know of, anyway. That would be, I mean, that seems obvious to me. Mm-hmm. Be- because, but well, go ahead. To having just seen the endocrinologist once, though, you know, it hasn't been a lot of time to ask that question. Right. Okay. So let's do the rest of this. So, okay. Yeah. So you are eating metformin for five years. In 2009, somebody gives you insulin for the first time. Mm-hmm. How does that go? Um, well, it was the day of a wedding of a friend, and I missed the reception because my blood sugar was low. I hadn't expected it. Mm-hmm. I was taking Lantus and didn't really understand what I was doing, you know, so I thought, well, I better do that before I go to the reception and eat food and so on, but didn't really have a lot of instruction. So they just gave you Lantus mm-hmm. and you would shoot it once a day? Yes. And nothing else at the time? No. Okay. Not then. And so without good direction, you ended up low mm-hmm. and, and, do you go back? To That's the- super, super low now that I know what that is. But at the time, low. well, I imagine for the first time, any low feels scary as hell. Right. You know, um, so I was afraid to drive 15 minutes to go to the reception, et cetera. Did you, Although, have, a me- did you have a meter back then? Karen, did you have a meter? Everybody- um, yes, I did. Okay. But I didn't know about lows. Okay. So. And the. the- the whole reception was full of EMTs, so I probably would have been okay and nurses. Yeah. As long as you could have got there. But 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 tell me about that a little bit. So they give you this Lantus, but they don't explain anything mm-hmm. to you. You're just it's right. like a it's handed to you like a pill that you shoot with a needle. Is that right? Correct. But just take this now. We're gonna do this now. Take this much. And do this. It. Yeah. No training understanding what it's going to do what might happen or not happen what you're looking for with your meter nothing like that's described right okay um how long do you go on just doing lantus 
Oh, um, probably a year. A year. And then do they move you to a mealtime insulin as well? Yes. Which one? I got moved to Novolog for fast acting and Novolog Mix 7030 mm-hmm. for long term. Okay, so just the Lantus was not doing anything for you. Right. Under, not, not, enough, doing anyway. en- not doing enough, right. Um, so now you're going to shoot at meals. What's the description mm-hmm. from them about how to do that? What What is your understanding of what you're about to start doing? Um, well, I just followed directions, you know, the how much I was supposed to take and what times. And then before meals, I had the sliding scale thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, did the finger sticks and, you know, of course, my problem with that is when you do finger sticks before your meal, you don't necessarily know how much you're taking, <laughs> you know, as for carbs during the meal. And you don't know if afterward you've really accomplished that because they don't tell you to take your blood afterward. So they would tell you to test at your meal time and mm-hmm. then probably use some sort of a ratio they gave you that involved right. your, your current blood sugar. And then you, you were supposed to say how much, in, how much, how many carbs you were going to eat and then shoot. No, then, nobody said it, how many carbs I was going to eat. Just eat, just shoot this amount. And then right. don't look again after that. Right. Gotcha. What part of the country you live in? Michigan. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, every it doesn't matter anymore. I I get I give up. I don't trust anybody, Karen. I just it doesn't matter. I will tell you this: that it is true that most type twos don't have a clue. Yeah, I know. And, That's why we're doing this. You know, yeah. um, it's it's much easier to find things out of juice box on the podcast or on the Facebook group than it is for any type two group. Yeah. Oh, and really? I've tried to find out. <laughs> Karen, tell me about that. So you're saying that you joined type two groups, mm-hmm. but they weren't helpful? Not really. Is it because it's full of people who are all lost and don't know what's happening? Partly, yes. Oh, well, that's a shame. Um, Partly, yes. And I mean, you're not getting any. Listen, nobody told you what the metformin was going to do what, what their goal was. Mm-hmm. Nobody's telling you what the insulin's goal is. It's just do this mm-hmm. thing. So do you think, can you step out of this as your, as it you know, step out of it for a second? Don't think about okay. it as your story for a second. Just look back right. at kind of look back at it. Why, why, why would someone not explain it to you? Do you come off? I'm being really like serious now. Like, do you come off as somebody who just wouldn't understand? So it's not worth my time. No, I think I come off as somebody who already knows. Okay. And so do you think that they think, oh, I don't need to explain it to Karen. She understands it. Like, is your confidence maybe stopping them? Or do you think that this is just what happens? Um, Both. Okay. Partially both. Because I do know a lot about the physical body. If you're a physical education teacher who's not just moved into that position, you've had to take anatomy and physiology. You've had to take kinesiology. You've had, I have three physiology classes in college, Mm -hmm. you know, undergrad. That's not even the graduate work. (laughs) So, you know, I do understand a lot. So I think it does seem like 
that that's a possibility. And also, in my family, I happen to have physicians and about eight nurses. <laughs> you know, yeah. I always, how ma- I always feel like they're not. They know something that they're not telling you. But but you're mm-hmm. making me wonder if they don't know, and they're just like, oh, good, she knows. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or she'll find out. Oh, I she'll figure. Try, yeah, but such an know. odd thing, isn't it? Like, especially with insulin, which can make mm-hmm. you so low, dangerously low, if you lose it wrong, use it wrong. Mm-hmm. And the idea is they'll figure it out. Is mm-hmm. I don't know. The whole thing is just freaking. And my A one Cs were horrible. <laughs> so it wasn't help. What were your A one Cs? Nineteen. Oh my God. Twelve. Yes. Then I brought it down each time. Nineteen, then twelve. <laughs> Karen, let me ask you a question. I, I ask you mm-hmm. a real serious question here. I I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And I I haven't been doing the type two stories conversations long enough. I don't have a real like slick way of saying this yet. So I'm mm-hmm. just gonna say, it. are you eating your way to a nineteen A one C, or is your body like just so incapable of handling it that any food dr- drives you high like that? Probably both. Okay. So because I would eat, you know, but at the same time, then um, I happened to run in after a few years, run into a program nearby. There's a couple, they call themselves Chickpea and Bean, and they have um, a foundation that's 501c3 and did meetings and so on. And they had a thing for, diabetics for how to become vegan Mm -hmm. and the reason that i did this is because the husband mark reversed his type 2 by being vegan oh so you thought maybe that would be helpful right and you know i'm not looking for perfection (laughs) i mean i don't exactly think that i'm going to totally reverse it but if it does a better job you know, and you could lose some then, weight, and your A one C would go down, and you'd feel better overall. You're not trying to be a TikTok star or anything like that. You just want to, right? Yeah, you feel better. Um, right? Did that not work for you? It worked great, but I couldn't keep following it. <laughs> so, so tell me why. Uh, so, first of all, what pandemic? Does, so, what does it work great mean? You were losing weight. Oh yeah. How much? I. I lost at least 50 pounds. My God. I had to have another sleep study for my apnea because, you know, I was over treating Mm -hmm. at that point. So, yeah. (laughs) So you lost 50 pounds just eating vegetable-based meals. And then what, what about the pandemic stopped you from doing that? Well, um, my mom lives in a very small town. She's now 91, close to 92. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're living alone during the pandemic, that's no fun. <laughs> no, of course. So I moved back home with her, partly to, you know, have somebody to be with, but also to help take care of her a little bit. Mm-hmm. And my small hometown doesn't have a lot of possibilities. You know, and I was lacking in energy. I think the thyroid was getting me back then, three, four years ago, and couldn't really do a whole bunch of things that I would like to. Right. 
So there you are, you know. Karen, should, is it fair to say that you grew up? Well, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I should be asking. Um, did you grow up in a, like an economically depressed situation? Like, did people not know about food it, it, when they were raising you? That kind of stuff? No. No. So, so they didn't know about food, but you had money. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have mixed those questions. No, that's okay. Um, when I was a kid, we didn't always have money, but we always knew what we were doing. But things have changed since I was a kid. I was born in 53. Okay. You know, it used to be a good dinner to have fried chicken. <laughs> it, like, like that was I don't the, know right. how long <laughs> it's been since I've had fried chicken. You know, I mean, we use polyunsaturated oils. Now it's supposed to be good. <laughs> no, it's like you don't even want to do that you know yeah. so <laughs> so so just in general people's understanding of nutrition was lacking and so right. this is really interesting hold on a second i have to cough <clears throat> sorry I, we've been sick here for months now i don't even know how know. you people are still getting this podcast at this point but um i am not you gotta cut that out <laughs> i'm trying i swear to you I had to start doing sit-ups the other day because I think my wife's on her way out and I might have to date. So um, she has <laughs> been sick for so long. It's just... It's not good. She got the COVID that translated uh-huh. into bronchitis that seems to have gone into a third thing. She's been sick mm. for like two months almost. And it's oh, really... I'm so sorry. Oh, it's beating the hell out of her. So... Um, but every day... I know I, you've said that before, it's but... It's insane. You know. I mean, nothing like this has ever happened before. So we're... Um, it, it's kind of got the house on a. Is uh, she forty four? <laughs> Karen, you're hilarious. Just <laughs> asking. Don't make me cough. I think I still have something in my chest. Um, it, it, so you grew up in this place where, in time, not not a place, mm-hmm. but a time when, like you said, fried chicken was good. You were mm-hmm. that was a nice, hot, healthy, tasty meal, and we throw mm-hmm. some potatoes with it, and this, and 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 everything sort of goes in that direction. So, were you heavy as a child? Um, I thought I was, but I wasn't really. Okay. Um, again, I'm I have a big frame, <laughs> and I always seen my friends would be you know like little, you know five five foot people who <laughs> no, I understand. were tiny yeah, and wore a size six, you know? Yeah. You're saying if you were born in 19, nah, let's go further. If you were born in like 2000, you would have just been on the girls rugby team in college or something like that. Like Probably kind of that kind of a build. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So, um, but my point is, is that you're out of a generation that just doesn't know what food mm-hmm. is supposed to be. And and listen, we're all guessing right now that we're right now, that we're correct right, right now. But 30, right. 30 years from now, my kids might be on whatever a podcast is 30 years from now going, listen, we were eating mm-hmm. like this and we thought it was good. Y- you know, so, yeah. so I take the point that we kind of went from the depression era where those people, they didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. And then things got better and the 50s happened and leave it to beaver mm-hmm. and now we're all going to live in houses and smile and everything and and one mm-hmm. person's working and one person's not there's plenty of food mom's at home cooking and making these big meals and that's the mo- that mom grew up as a child probably not even eating every day mm-hmm. so that changes 
psychology around food there. And I mean, you already know like food pyramid, which I think has basically been debunked. Junk. And, yeah. And, <laughs> and like you said, like they were coming up with these, well, there was that whole thing, right? Where um, I don't want to dig into it because I don't know enough about it to talk about it uh, thoughtfully, but I think the, um, the sugar lobby put out this report to make oils look bad or oils to sugar. I don't know. It was one of the other. And well, and, and then the, you know, like porks, the other white meat, they hired surgeons to cut the fat out of those meats <laughs> that they tested. <laughs> right. Like things, things like that were going on. There's, mm -hmm. There was, there was mm -hmm. marketplace tomfoolery going on where like sugar was like, Hey, listen, it's fat's fault. And fat was like, hey, it's sugar's fault. And like, you know, and, and then one, one idea takes hold almost mm -hmm. like the, like, almost like, you know, VHS and Betamax, there's this argument in public and one of them wins. And then we go in this direction. And so we acted like sugar wasn't a problem, even though sugar stored mm -hmm. as fat. So, you know, right. you know, have you ever had a, um, gone to like a water ice place or a, like an Italian ice place and it, there's a sign up that says no fat. Like this mm -hmm. is like you're eating, it's, it's sugar. Right. And as soon as your body gets it, it's like, oh, I'll store this as fat. It, you didn't intake mm -hmm. any fat, but your body turned it into fat. Mm -hmm. And right. We, and so now they're coming up with the idea of like, well, don't eat red meat because it'll give you a heart attack or this. And we're going to come up with other oils, canola, vegetable, like all these other oils. These are going to be healthy oil, which is, mm -hmm. I've said it on here before. If you've ever deep fried something, fill the, mm -hmm. pan, fill the pan up, deep fry it. And then look and see how much less oil is left in the pan when you're done. That oil right. is in the food. <laughs> right. And, but if I scooped out a cup of that oil and said, here, drink this, mm -hmm. you'd go, oh, no, no, I would, Gross. I would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I've just been watching uh, Life in Alaska in the Arctic Circle, I think it is called. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're eating fat because they need it to stay warm and to be healthy. Right. <laughs> yeah. thinking, wow. <laughs> I, I think my greater like rambling point is is that you could just be a mix of wrong place, wrong time, crappy genetic, mm -hmm. crappy genetics. Now let's also add in the point that I've done four times fasting weight loss programs under medical supervision mm -hmm. through a hospital and lost weight each time, but can't keep it off. How much did you lose doing the fasting? Oh, 75 pounds the first time, 100 pounds later, you know. What was the most recent time you did that? How old were you? Um, It was, I'm trying to think, probably 20-some years ago. Well, maybe more like before the hysterectomy, maybe. Okay. Because I had done that right before and I was doing it during that time and my doctor told me that when I had the hyponatremia from the gallbladder surgery um, I couldn't keep doing that because I had gone back down to my lowest weight I see and I said you can't you can't see on that diet anymore you need to get more calories more you know well you don't tell a fat person that <laughs> Sorry, you can't do that anymore. Do you think you have okay. a, a psychological attachment to food? I think I have some, 
but I don't know anybody who doesn't. Right. Do you just think you overeat more than than the average overeater? Not you, really. No. It, it, but that's interesting. I'll, I'll tell you something, Karen. I have, I don't know if I've ever said it on here, but I am the fattest person who doesn't eat that you'll ever meet in your entire life. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not a big food person. I there's mm-hmm. there's times in my life where I've thought maybe I'm just not eating enough. Like maybe my body thinks we're starving and it's like holding on to fat. Um but Yeah. <laughs> but Especially it, when some of these thin people say, Oh, I wish I could gain some weight. If I eat more, I lose. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but that's <laughs> what yeah, is that? <laughs> yeah, but taking away the like the funny part of that statement, that does make a good point. Like some mm-hmm. people's metabolisms just run differently. Um, mm-hmm. obvi- I think that's pretty obvious. And at the same time, underlying other underlying medical issues could be keeping weight on you, like your thyroid or stuff you might not even know about. Right. Y- you know, right. Um, I, I, again, through this illness, I think I said this recently, but I had to take a, a steroid pack to get rid of my bronchitis. So they gave me a steroid oh, pack yeah. and, a, and an antibiotic, right? And, um, mm-hmm. and for the 10 days I'm on the steroid, I'm like, this is amazing. Like, mm-hmm. I, like the first thing that happens is my, like the, the liquid in my body like regulates, like I pee like crazy for like 20 hours. And if you Google mm-hmm. it, it'll tell you like steroids raises your blood sugar and some people urinate mm-hmm. more for that. That is not what's happening to me. Like, like my back stops hurting, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I lose five pounds of water weight. My back stops hurting. I feel terrific, um, et cetera, et cetera. As soon as the steroids go on. You know the the water weight comes. I I've retained water my entire life, like I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's mm-hmm. just no other way to put it. Like I, my body retains water, and I mean, in a world where we can't get a doctor to explain what Lantus is going to do to you, I don't have a lot of hope that if I <laughs> seriously, yeah, yeah, like like people are like, you should go to a doctor. I'm like, for what? So they can go mm-hmm. uh, try a sit up, do this, like mm-hmm. you know. Nobody knows. Like right. You have to find the right doctors. I'll tell you, I'm I'm very encouraged right now because back years ago I went with a friend that I'd met online who had uh COPD mm-hmm. and was trying to quit smoking. So she went to a quit smoking clinic at Mayo Clinic. And I learned a lot about Mayo Clinic then. And my new hematologist is from Mayo Clinic. And he called me. (laughs) First day I saw him and then went down and had blood work done. I'm at home and he called me and said, your blood glucose was 67. And I wanted to make sure you were okay. He called me, not a nurse. Right. Somebody actually helped and cared and was concerned and understood what Mm -hmm. to to be concerned about. Well, how did you... Different from from Mayo Clinic. That's how kind of how they work. And it's like, wow. And he's called me again to discuss what my blood work is because if you look at just my blood work, I don't have von Willebrand's disease. It's interesting. But there's another component to the diagnosis, which is experience. <laughs> yeah, your actual. And symptoms. I got the experience. Yeah, your symptoms and and everything else. So tell so tell me something you. You get mm-hmm. this. You get this insulin in t- two thousand and nine. That's still a long mm-hmm. time ago. I didn't start the podcast till twenty fifteen. So, <laughs> w- what was your um, what was your experience between then and when 
you found the podcast? Uh, bleeding. I mean, for the fun will rants? No, bleeding. I mean for the diabetes now. Like for type 2. Oh. Like what was your what was your life like 2009 until whenever you think of it as getting Just kind of random. You know, I was trying, but I didn't seem to be doing anything effective. I had the high A1Cs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, didn't know what to do, and I kept bringing it down. But at the same time, the lowest I ever got it was nine on my own. Jeez. <laughs> then I started listening to, um, well, my doctor said, you should get a CGM. Okay. So he wanted me to get the Libre, too. And I called the, talked to the DME, who I cannot say enough goodness about this DME, but they said, well, I said, I'm worried that if I wear it on my arm or leg or something like that, I'll knock it off. And they said, well, if you want to wear it on your abdomen, you have to get the uh, Dexcom. So I got the Dexcom, you know, and the G6 is wonderful. And yeah, I brought my A1Cs down to, at first it was 6.6, then 6.2. Now below six, and I've gone to the kidney specialist and the um, uh, endocrinologist, and they they've all said keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, it's going <laughs> down, I right? Still feel like okay, I'm doing better, but what am I doing? <laughs> what do you do? You, is is the addition of the CGM? Just allowing mm-hmm. you to see, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious, right? It just allows you to right. see where your blood sugar is, how you can more effectively move it and what, right. and what food is doing to you. Exactly. That's it. right? And it allows me to adjust a little bit. Like if I find I'm going high, for example, if I'm sick or if I've had a, a vaccination, mm-hmm. my blood sugar might be higher. So then I increased a little bit on my fast acting. Yeah. It taught you, it, you can see, basically you can see inside of your body now and it teaches mm-hmm. you how to, it teaches you how to use insulin. Right. Uh, I mean, I, it's funny because I think people might expect some bigger epiphany, but that's mm-hmm. it. That's it really. If you can see, I didn't know you were using a CGM, but if you can see your blood sugar, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. you can use insulin correctly. And that stops spikes and lows. Um, have you lost weight on a CGM? No. No. Um, I've gained. You've gained weight. Believe it or not. Well. And I th- I think that goes to the thyroid. Oh, okay. Yeah, you do have a lot of different components. Um, so your goal right now is to get your thyroid medication dialed in. And right. see if that doesn't start to help you. What about going back to the vegan stuff, Karen? How come we don't do that? I'm going to do that. I went to an online class that Chickpea and Bean did, and um, they're very supportive. They live near me, so we haven't been able to do anything but online Mm -hmm. for the last few years, but I'm hoping that we'll be able to go in person. I'm better in person. (laughs) If I see people in person, I'm better off to get knowledge or do better, you know. Yeah. Catch on to things. Are you still? I had with- to. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I had to take a a class once. Couldn't get it any other way, and I had to do it through by mail. You know the correspondence courses. Yeah. 
It was the worst class I ever took. <laughs> are you are you able to exercise at all? Um, yeah, somewhat. Okay. So, um, and do you live with your mother still? Somewhat. <laughs> About 50% of the time, maybe. Okay. And that's to help her? Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Is there anything? That's we- hard, hard to do my own thing, though. She's very resistant to it. And she grew up on a farm with... Uh, you know, during the depression, they always did have enough food because they lived on a farm mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it was a dairy farm. So if you're talking beef or dairy, <laughs> She's in. boy, my mom's really into that. Yeah. Not so much into uh, tofu or something like that. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> and and you don't have any trouble um, when you're vegan, you're. It's easy. It's easy for you when you're doing it, or do you struggle to? Stay no, it's it? easier. It is much easier. You, I can eat as much as I want. First of all, mm-hmm. secondly, I'm full from eating more fiber and so on. I think uh, more so than I was when I was on the the fasting programs and then adjusting to eating again. Yeah, and I had dietitians counseling me and you know all meetings and that kind of thing to support but you know in the end it's it's calories in it's what it is right it's it's you have to right. eat an amount of calories for you right now you're trying to lose weight so you have to be in a deficit mm-hmm. so that you lose weight and then once you get to the weight you need to be you need to be at a you know don't go back into a surplus so that you can maintain the weight right yeah but being vegan, you can pretty much eat whatever you want, and you're not gonna gonna go over that. You don't reach those it calories. Was, it was the easiest thing I've ever done. Wow! And let me tell you, I I fought so hard with that um, the fasting programs. Mm-hmm. One time, I went to a store and I was trying to find something. Like most women will experience this if they had a period you know that you just get where you want to talk about eating the kitchen you just want to eat (laughs) anything you know and you're looking for something that will satisfy you and it's pretty hard to find it i did that at a grocery store and they started following me because i think they thought i was trying to steal things and i was reading the uh, nutrition labels to try to find something that was going to satisfy me, but would not be too much of a calorie load. Yeah. No. Oh my gosh. So you are managing your diabetes right now, just like a type one does. You're on a basal insulin. Pretty much. Are you on a pump? Yeah. Pardon? Do you use a pump? No. No. No, I would like to be in a way. Okay. I think. But you're shooting a basal insulin and covering your meals with fast acting. Correct. <clears throat> okay. And you learned that on the podcast? Yes. Well, I'm happy for you that it's going well. Um, and- I mean, I still, I still do what my doctors have said, but I've added a little bit from the podcast. To help you out. And from the, the Facebook page. Oh, and the Facebook page is helpful for you even though you have type 2 because you're using insulin. Right. And because I was on a Dexcom page in Facebook, someone said, go to Juicebox 
it's four type ones, but you'll learn things that will apply. Yeah. So that's how I got to the the page and oh. then to the juice box podcast. Oh, I'm glad. Well, that's excellent. I'm I'm happy that it's helping you. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you. Oh no, please, it's my pleasure. Uh, all right, <laughs> Karen, hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there was way more to remember about you than I thought there was going to be. I keep waiting for. By the way, not one of these has gone the way I expected so far, which is good <laughs> because I thought, well, let me do stories about people with type two. Um, you know, see if we can't get more people with type two to step up. I do think there is there is some theme which is no no really different than any other illness for some reason which is nobody tells me what what's happening I just you have this take this pill you have this inject this like that kind of stuff nobody really explains and I I'm beginning to believe that they don't know you know so I don't know yeah. but with the bleeding disorders the hemophilia foundation which I don't know if Von Willebrands is really a, a hemophilia or not, mm-hmm. but it's covered by them. You go to support meetings and they have sessions where they teach you about various things. They have camp for the kids. that's all run by the hemophilia foundation, which I don't feel like the diabetic kids are getting. seems like there's, there's more individual or something that people are going to different states or, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't really understand that. So that might be my problem, but to me, that's much more supportive. And I learned much more about being a bleed disordered individual than I have about having diabetes. Yeah. And there's more people with diabetes, even type two. Well, then Karen, I bleeding disorders. I I'm starting to believe. Like I have like short term goals for the podcast, long term goals for the podcast, and um, you know, aside of the podcast, I keep I think about like, well, the podcast helps people because I make it. It keeps it out in the world. New people mm-hmm. find it. They can mine it for information. But if I just stop making the podcast, it it will wither away and die. Like that's how people's mm-hmm. minds work. Like do you know what I mean? Like. <clears throat> You right. know, people complain that all the new movies suck, but mm-hmm. no, but nobody goes back and watches, you know, Bullet or something. Like you know, they they the old stuff is old, and so mm-hmm. to keep helping people, you have to continue to make the thing. And I keep thinking, like, how is this going to like long term? Like, how do I get it to a point where it can long term help people? Um, mm-hmm. Because this is not. This isn't crazy, right? Like some doctors do a good job of explaining your diabetes to you. We hear those Mm -hmm. stories from people and Mm -hmm. some don't. And those people's lives are worse for it. And, and how are we going to get to a point where that's not the case? Like, what's the answer? And there are times that I think that in the current model, that answer doesn't really exist. Like, mm-hmm. like, there's no, like, thing, like, there's no magic thing that people aren't doing that if they just did it, everybody who had diabetes would be doing better. I think, mm-hmm. I think maybe what the podcast is teaching me is that this is, it's sort of a virtual meeting, right? Like, the, right. You, you can go to on your own schedule. Right. And I, I, I'm almost thinking, there are days when I think that's what it is. It's almost like, it's almost like AA. Mm-hmm. on some level 
and and yeah. and, and with management talk mixed into it. And I don't know that there's a better way right now. Like the with the technology that exists for reaching people, mm-hmm. I don't know if I don't know that there's a better way than this this idea. So hopefully someone comes up with it. But I don't think it's not a brochure. It's not mm-hmm. a video you watch online one time. It's not mm-hmm. a you know, it's not a checklist. Like these things have all been tried. They don't help. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I I'm glad well, you found it. I do think that the Hemophilia Foundation has found a way to do that. I don't know if it's because it's a smaller population, Mm -hmm. if it's because they've started getting drug companies involved, which I didn't use to when I first started going to their things. Um, You know, if that money is helping, but at the same time, you know, gee, (laughs) where's the support? How come nobody knows anything? How come it's also... Lucy goosey. I don't think they know how to deliver it. And I think that this is, I think, I think that I, I found the most successful way so far to help people understand diabetes. Mm-hmm. It's this, and, and it's not just make a podcast. Cause trust me, after I made one, a lot of other people tried and mm-hmm. it's no disrespect to any of them. I think it's wonderful, but, um, I, I can see who listens to podcasts and mm-hmm. those other podcasts are not listened to on any great, like with any great amount of, I don't know, with a big, it's not a big level. And so, mm-hmm. so there's something about the information, the format, me, the people who come on, like, you know, all of that mixed together is just working mm-hmm. and, and there's no way to take credit for it. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's like a, it's like a TV show that's on for 15 seasons it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not like they sat down on day one and they're like, "Let's make a let's make mash." <laughs> you know what I mean? Here's what it's going to be. It's going to last forever. Mm-hmm. People are going to love it. Blah blah blah. It's mm-hmm. going to you know. You don't plan something like that. I just got lucky. Like whatever this is, however it occurs to me to do it, it just seems to work. And so, yeah, but you're Alan Alda. <laughs> oh, you have a, a perception of people and what they think and feel that is unusual. And I think that pays off. You know, it's funny. There, Somebody said to me, mm, I don't want to say who I, I talked to when I said this, but I, I told them, I said, I think part of my job is kind of counterintuitive to how people think. Like people go out into these spaces and they're like, well, the people will tell you what they need. And, you know, we'll just, we'll, we'll give them what they want. And to some degree, I give you what I think you need. Mm-hmm. Like I don't stop to think about, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not unfeeling about people's feelings or anything like that. Like, I'm not harsh, but we don't like, like we didn't. You and I, for example, didn't spend 20 minutes talking around the fact that you weigh what you weigh. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, we didn't nice it up, and we didn't like you called yourself fat, and we just started mm-hmm. talking. And that's an honest conversation. And is it going to hurt someone's feelings? Like, I hope not, but maybe it will. But what I can tell you for sure is that if you went on, you know a podcast run by like some big diabetes organization and started calling yourself fat. They'd never put that online. Like wow. it, it, that nobody would, th- th- this would get cut up or, you know, diced up. This is a real conversation. You're a 69 year old lady who's got a ton of health uh-huh. issues and I don't need type two diabetes. Although I, I really want you to go get an antibody test. And, um, <laughs> and, 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 and this is, this is your life. Like you just laid uh-huh. it out for us. Nobody does that. Uh-huh. 
everybody's worried about it's going to hurt someone's feelings or it's going to be perceived incorrectly. I don't care about that. Like, I want to figure out why people with type 2 diabetes don't get help. Yeah. Why don't they? And and my big question around it is, why don't they understand what they have? How come every person I mm-hmm. talk to with type 2 doesn't know what, what's happening to them? That's what I want, why I wanted to talk to you. Yeah. I mean, when you invited me, it was just not a good time at that point. Sure. And then I had to have knee surgery, and then my reunion came up. <laughs> Karen, we put but, a lot of know, effort into getting you on this podcast. We really did. And I'm, gl- and I'm did. glad we did. I'm glad we did it. Seriously. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I really appreciate you being flexible because once I bollock stuff, don't you worry about <laughs> trying this to was... put it on my calendar. You know? Don't even Ooh. think twice about it. this is well worth it. By the way, I have to go because I have to record with Jenny in a little bit. Um, oh, okay. But John Philip Sousa wrote Stars and Stripes Forever. Yes. <laughs> He's uh, he was uh, he wrote a lot of like what I guess what we'd call like patriotic music back then. Mm-hmm. Which is Stars and Stripes? Hold on a second. All right. Is the Stars and Stripes Forever public domain? Old enough to be in the public domain, so all you need to perform is a song, isn't it? Okay, it is. Oh, that means cool. I, That means I can play a little bit of it at the end. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Karen, I'm going to go. I appreciate you doing this. Oh, I mean, I no appreciate problem. it so much. Uh, hold on for one second for me. I want to talk to you just before you go, okay? Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. First, a huge thanks to Karen for coming on the show and sharing so honestly. And, of course, Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Head over and get yourself the Dexcom G6 or Dexcom G7 continuous glucose monitoring systems. Don't forget the Contour Next Gen is at ContourNext.com forward slash juicebox. Super accurate, easy to use, and lovely to hold in your hand. Contour Next dot com forward slash juice box dexcom dot com forward slash juice box fill out the survey at t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box want to save 35 percent on your entire order at cozyearth.com you can with the offer code juice box 10 percent off your first month of therapy at betterhelp.com forward slash juice box and of course get a free i didn't even mention this at the beginning get a free five travel packs a free year of vitamin d with your first order of Athletic Greens from athleticgreens.com forward slash juice box. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. But just let me say this before I go. If you have type 2 diabetes and you're looking for a place to talk to other people with diabetes, check out the private Facebook group, Juice Box Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. But don't let that name throw you. It's for everybody who has diabetes. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes, a private Facebook group with over 40,000 members. Actually, here at the end, I'd like to throw in a plug for the Type 2 Pro Tip series that I did with Jenny Smith. You can find it in the featured tab on the private Facebook group. There's a list of them. You can also find them at juiceboxpodcast.com or search your podcast player for Juicebox Type 2 Pro Tip.